Welcome to Talking Truth. As we kick off the start of the new year, I've decided to start a bi-weekly series where every other week the podcast episode release is going to be a part of this series. The series is going to be about women in the Bible from the New Testament characters to the Old Testament. So to start off this new series and this new season today as our first episode, we are going to be talking about Esther. So we're going to be talking about her and her story and what we can learn from her. So interestingly, Esther is one of the two books of the Bible that's named after a woman, the other being Ruth. So we know that her story was very important for it to be included. So Esther comes into the story around chapter 2, which is when the king declares that some virgin women from every province were to come to the citadel where they would stay and be prepared to meet the king one by one. So he was eager to make for himself a new bride after he had dismissed Queen Vashti in chapter 1 because she did not want to please the king and the men in the crowd by showing off her beauty to them. So he decided that it was time for him to find someone else. In verse 12, we see that they were taken, these women were taken to prepare for their meeting with the king in it. The preparation time was about 12 months. Now that was a long time. Now there was a man named Mordecai who was raising his uncle's daughter, which is his cousin. And she was, the Bible tells us that she was very beautiful in form and face. So Esther was taken along with hundreds of other young women who were going to eventually go before the king. Before, so after these 12 months, before it was her turn to be presented to the king, she and Mordecai kind of discussed and decided to keep it to herself that she was a Jew. This is an important detail that we have to remember for later on in the story. So Esther goes, she has her 12 months of preparation, and she goes and sees the king, and the king it says, the Bible says, loves Esther more than all of the other women that he saw. And the Bible says in verse 17 that she found favor and kindness with him more than any of the other women. So he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen. Then there was a gathering a second time for a banquet. And at this point, Esther had still not revealed to anybody her people or that she was a Jew. And in the remainder of this chapter, we read about how Mordecai, Esther's cousin, actually saves the king from death. So a while after these events, King Ahasuerus promoted a man named Haman, which we talk about a little earlier, but just for the sake of the time of this podcast episode, we didn't go too much into detail of him. So he promotes this man named Naaman in a position that of higher authority, of higher power, and he was established and had power over all the princes who were with him. So this was obviously a man with great respect and a lot of power. People, we see that people bowed down to him as he passed them in places. They they paid their respects to them. They honored and praised this man. And the king's servants were treated like this as well. But when it came to Mordecai, whenever Mordecai uh, saw them and they passed by Mordecai, he also hung around the gates a lot to check on Esther. He never bowed or paid respects to these men. And the king's servants noticed him, and they asked him, he w- they were like, why are you transgressing the king's commands? Why are you not bowing down and showing your respect to us? It's what the king commanded. So they went and told Haman to pass by Mordecai to see if Mordecai would even refuse to bow down to him because he was at a higher uh, position than the king's servants. So they wondered if it was somehow relating to he was a Jew because Mordecai had mentioned to this before. 
So Haman went and passed by Mordecai, and Mordecai still refused to bow down or pay his respects to Haman. And Haman was filled with lots of rage. He was really angry about this, and he wanted to lay hands on Mordecai right then, right there. But then the king's servants told Haman that Mordecai was a Jew, and he told him who his people were, that he was related to the Jews. The So Haman not only sought to have Mordecai killed because of Mordecai's lack of respect to him, but he wanted all the Jews throughout the kingdom gone. So he went to the king later and told him all these things, and he kind of was greatly exaggerating and saying how all of these Jews did not observe the king's commands, when really he had only had this one encounter. He asked for all the Jews to be destroyed once and for all. And the king actually agreed. He told Haman that he could do with the Jews as he pleased. He was putting their life in his hands, his decision. But remember, up to this point, no one except Mordecai pretty much at this point knows that Esther was a Jew. So the king was allowing the execution of his own queen's people. So sadly, once this decree was made, letters were being sent all throughout the land so that everyone knew of this decree. Everyone knew that the Jews were going to be destroyed. Verse 15 of chapter 3 says that the city of Susa was in confusion. Everyone was just so confused at this random act that was put up. So Mordecai, after hearing this, he was so upset, he was tearing his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the city and cried. You know, there were people mourning all over the kingdom that day. I mean, just imagine waking up one morning and seeing a law that, or a decree that, a bill that was passed that saying your death was being ordered. You know, how horrible would that be? And then Esther's maidens came to Esther and told her about all the things that were happening outside the walls and told her about Mordecai. And the queen was just in this state of great anguish. You know, these were her people. These were her family. This was her. This was against her. She had clothes sent to Mordecai because she felt really bad for him that he, he was wearing sackcloth and ashes, but he actually refused to wear them. He wanted to mourn because he knew this was something bad happening. So she sent one of the king's eunuchs to go to Mordecai and found out why all this was happening. You know, maybe Mordecai knew why this bill had been, why this decree had been passed, who did it, what was happening. So Mordecai told the eunuch, and then the eunuch reported everything back to Queen Esther. And he begged Esther in his reply to go to the king and get him to change his decision. He begged her to get the king to spare their lives. And this is how she responded in chapter 4, verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court who's not summoned, he is but one law, that he is be put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days." So she's basically saying that you have to be summoned to come to the king. No one just walks into the king. And if someone does without his permission, they can die. They are ordered to death unless he passes the golden scepter to them. And that's a sign that he will continue to let them live. So this is how Mordecai answers. He says, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows 
whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. He's telling her that don't think that you're going to be safe just because you're in the king's palace. You know, this law is about you too. You're going to be affected by this as well. And he's saying, what if, what if the reason you were made queen is so that you can stop this from happening? So Esther agrees to go and to see the king and to convince him to not kill the Jews. And she does this by going to the king, knowing that it was a risk for her to do so. But because of her bravery to go and to see the king, she was able to request a banquet where she would later on exploit Haman and his plan. Then that happens later. But because of her bravery, the king let her live by extending his golden scepter toward her. She had done it. She had entered into the king's presence without permission, but by God's grace, she had survived. And in the end, she ended up saving her people from destruction. She told the king that she was a Jew and of Naaman's plan at the second feast that she held, and he was punished for doing such a thing. He was hung. So the story of Esther really does emphasize God's power, instructing us that we should use our influence and positions and blessings from God to help others. The influence that we possess can help others, just like it helped Esther in her own story. If Esther had not been made queen, she would not have been able to have the chance to save her people from their dangerous fate. Because she was placed where she was, she was able to save her people from an ultimate death and destruction. And it's amazing because we know that God's hand is all over this story. But ironically, the book of Esther never actually mentions God's name. And that's another thing that this the book of Esther is quite known for. Even though God's name was never mentioned in the whole book, we can still clearly see God's hand throughout Esther's life. And maybe that's why his name is never used, to show that he was still there the whole time. But Esther was brave and courageous. And without her in the position of queen, the Jews would have never been saved. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast episode. Make sure to come back next week. And the week after that, we will continue the Women of the Bible series.